0: So, this morning, I'm going to just take you into one of the sort of like dark sides of my job, um, and um, and actually, we are spending an enormous amount of my time, and, uh, but, but this is sort of like what other people will sort of like, you know, yawn, move on. Um, can, can, can we get to the nice stuff now, please? I know that is there, there's like about 5% of you who are excited by this topic. I mean, really excited. This is, this is like, like fuel, jet fuel for you. There's about 15% of you who'd rather be in a dentist chair right now when you look at that. And then there's a whole lot of people in between. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. Some of you would rather um, be, be filing your correspondence right now than listening to a talk on strategy and vision and mission, okay? Um, but every now and then we've gotta do this and I'm doing this not because I don't want to but because I'm doing because I know most people don't want me to but the elders want me to, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm being a good boy and I'm doing what I'm told. <laughs> and I'll try and make it as interesting as possible. So, EMI, Engineering Ministries International, were with us a few months ago. They took us through an interactive Sunday that never seemed to end, but gosh, we got a lot of feedback and information, and part of what we got back from that, so what we were seeing is that our mission, which is, our mission, which is reproducing The full life of Jesus, thank you. Um, A lot of people love that. But the strategy for our mission was not nearly as clear. So, we're not nearly as sure as our strategy. Next one. So, there is our mission, reproducing the full life of Jesus. And uh, what does this mean? Well, next one. Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, immersing them or baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's still cake at our house this afternoon for people who want to find out about baptism. Um, Sorry. um, And uh, that's at three o'clock. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey some of the things that I have commanded you. That's the way we think it should say, but it's literally everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So yes, one of the simplest definitions of discipleship, Jesus says this, when a disciple is fully trained, uh, the disciple is not above the teacher, but when the disciple, when anyone is fully trained, they will be like their teacher. And so the idea is that it's the life of your teacher that you reproduce. Note, it's not that they will know what their teacher knows, which is a very Greek idea. This is a much more, discipleship is a Hebrew construct, and it's becoming like your master is your life ambition. Now, I could give you a lot more scriptures, and I could preach lovely on Um, our mission, and we do, and we do so often. We need to understand that our mission is written in blood. Luke chapter 24 tells us Jesus speaking post-resurrection to the disciples. So, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus speaking post-resurrection, about to ascend to heaven, all authority in heaven on earth given to me, therefore go make disciples. A parallel period, I mean, it's the same time, just a Parallel conversation, slightly different framed. He said, remember, he's raised from the dead. They don't understand it. He says, the Messiah had to suffer, be crucified, die, and be raised from the dead. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You witnesses of this. And, and so it's precisely his death, his passion. It's precisely the fact their mission emerges out of his death and resurrection. The mission of the church is written in the blood of the Lord of the church. We don't have the right to pick and choose. He said, everything I've commanded them. The mission of the church is not some of the things. It's everything. Our strategy, though is written in pencil. The mission is written in blood. The strategy is written in pencil. The problem with EMI, it's not on my slide, is that when you do a building, it's in bricks and stone and glass. And so if you build a building for your strategy that's in pencil, can you see the problem? So you've got to make sure that when you're building, and I'm now way off sermon topic, but it is exciting, and this is where it came from, you build in such a way that you can accommodate multiple ways of doing the mission of Jesus. Don't just think that the way you do it now is the way it must be done forever, amen, or you're going to waste a lot of future generations, success, time, fruitfulness, resources, and money. And so, learning how to be nimble, keep the wineskins soft, so that whatever God wants to do in the future. So, strategy, you know, mission in blood, strategy in pencil. However, don't think for a moment that strategy is less important than mission, because no strategy equals no mission. If you're not finding a way to obey, you're disobeying. If you don't have a strategy, you're not doing it. The strategy is to avoid it. A mission without a plan is only a dream. It's not what you're doing. It's what you wish. So wrestling with, even though it's in pencil, even though you go back to it again and again and you evaluate and you interrogate and then you try and you experiment and you... And you have another go, and you have another go, and you keep going after, understanding what it takes to reach and love the people in your generation, in your context, in your community, in your city. And then God may move you, and then you've got to do it somewhere else. You are not going to be in one time and place and get an answer for everyone. That's called cultural imperialism. You've got to decode the hearts of the people where you are. That's called mission. But mission must have a strategy. So, in the PBC story, PBC has locked, been locked into an oscillating size, as in headcount, head for about four decades, maybe a bit longer. Now, just coming out of this by the way, who all got the picture of PBC as a big tree this week? One, two, three, Hannah, four, five. So it was several times, unprompted, blah, 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 people were praying into this idea of PBC as a, as a tree. And one of the things is there was, I, I didn't hear anyone say this was a sick tree, It was a hell, you know, it was a rotten tree, It had this big reach, and it had this potent root network that was its heritage. And it was, you know, going deep into the Word and deep into prayer and deep into love. And that's what's given it the strength. And, uh, you know, different ones had different aspects of the picture um, in terms of its ability to weather the times and the seasons and everything like that, so if that's true, then our oscillation—in other words, oscillation—we go up and down. Okay, numbers up, and down; numbers up, numbers down. And we're doing that for decades. Cannot be explained as a lack of spirituality, a lack of depth, a lack of commitment to God, a lack of care for others. I've come to know you guys, and I certainly know the classic congregation fairly well. I would never dare suggest that's our heritage and our starting point, that this is a shallow place. Then why are we stuck? Our structures inhibit the breakthrough growth. And so it's working out how to reimagine your strategy so that you don't keep hitting the ceiling, dropping up, going up and down, up and down, and up and down. Now, the effect of this is that as our community and city have grown, and we've stayed more or less the same size, we are losing gospel penetration. Our city is nearly 10 times larger population-wise than when PVC started. A bit sobering. Our community is nearly three times more densely populated. Pinelands. Uh, So, some of us were looking at... This this year is going to be the church's 75th uh, anniversary. And someone circulated some videos on the elders of the 50th anniversary. And there's some of you who were in there. Um, And you haven't changed a bit. And... uh, (laughs) Take that as you wish. (laughs) (laughs) Our community is three times more densely populated. In other words, just maintaining means we are actually from a gospel penetration. We're not holding. We're not going forward. We're slipping back, slipping back, slipping back. And... Uh, I say this with respect and prayer for our other churches in Pinelands. Uh, Many of the churches that 40 years ago were standing side to side are not even there or are barely holding on. So what are our strategic options? Option A, which everyone loves, is we bury our talents, we ignore the conversation, we hope Craig didn't show up today, and that the Lord doesn't notice. You know the story of the bags of gold or the talents is the old way of putting it. It's real riches that have been entrusted to you. And one guy gets five, he gets five more. Another guy gets two, puts up two more. And one guy gets his one and he goes and he buries it. And it's not time to preach the parable. But the idea in his mind is... If I just hold on to what I've got, surely God's going to be okay with that. God says to him, you wicked, lazy, evil servant. I just said PVC was such a nice place. We are, but we dare not sing. That just holding on to what we've got, effectively bearing it and keeping ourselves comfortable, is going to honor the Lord. So can we just scrap this all again? I've got this as option A, but can we just, can we just pretend that we are not going to settle for status quo? Is that okay? Okay. Can 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 we just go? That is not an option. Another 40 years of holding on is not how this is gonna roll out. Now you say, Craig, but can't we hold on? Listen, it'll be far <sighs> far harder to hold on than to press on. So option A the plan or the strategy is then for PBC to grow big. By that we mean in South African church sizes somewhere between 400 and 800. We're a medium size, um, still a minority size, but so 400 to 800 people, and this would be gathering in a single service and, uh, or even a mega church where we aim for 800 plus. Or We plant new churches within our immediate feeder area, that's Pinelands and Conradie Park and maybe Thornton, and and we go after planting churches right where we are, okay? Planting elsewhere is good, and it's what PBC has done. PBC has been partnering with churches and planting churches across the peninsula for decades, but... And so we might go, well, that's where all our increased growth went. Yeah, but that doesn't explain the last 15 years when we haven't been doing that. So we've, we've got used to expecting other people to take the risks. It's will we plant right where we are? Because remember, the population density here is 300% and growing every day because Conradie Park and Pine Works and others are going up and you're adding a granny flat and you're doing this, and there's another bedroom, and there's this, and there's that. This area has been earmarked by the, the metro for rapid densification, um, if you didn't know that. So planting somewhere else, deciding, you know, that Lambert's Bay needs a church, or that Edgemead needs another church, well, we helped them there. And we help the guys, you know, all over. When you're dealing with urban density, you've got to recognize that we need another church right here. Option C multi-site. So yeah, you're cloning your services. I mean, you're literally you're having many sites. Sometimes this can be the same site with different times, but essentially you're cloning the services. Most people today are doing this through technology. Sometimes you can literally just have the same staff. And, you know, it's the same worship set, the same sermon, da da da, da. It doesn't matter when you go in. You can go to anyone. It's going to be slightly different people. But essentially, the service is is generic, and it's crossing a range of spaces. The challenge with that, of course, is it's incredibly difficult to be missional because you're just making assumptions about a very broad category of your reach. And then multiple missional congregations worship at different times and or places, so those aren't the the key drivers. The main thing about them is that they receive delegation in key specific areas, and we'll explain that more. So let me give you a a few little pictures because some of us like pictures. Um, now Cindy can concentrate again. There's a big oak tree in Kirstenbosch Gardens. And this is the idea of, you know, start small and grow big. It requires, inside a social organism, massive change at every stage. So we planted a church where there were 19 members in Hilton who had sort of like got together. And they said, will you come and help us? And so we went there and we made it a grand total of 21 members. And we had about 35 people in church on a Sunday. So it was less than this group over here. And, uh, and, and that was sort of like everybody literally, it wasn't a problem to know everybody else within like two, three weeks, you know. And they'd all known each other. But how do you grow? How do you break through that stage because it's got a a particular social chemistry and and it was as if everyone was sociologically was just standing in a giant circle holding hands and that was the strength of the congregation and that was its weakness because no one could join because we were all holding hands so Cindy and I let go of hands in the circle very quickly went to stand in the middle sociologically and invited outsiders and said come stand in the middle with us come play come play come play come play and after about 12 months, we had to tell the church what we were doing because it was chaos, because there were so many people inside the lovely circle that they had formed. And so within a year or two, the numbers had doubled because we had just told people, they, the outsiders, they were welcome right into the middle. And the church literally had a crisis of survival. They had to decide whether they were going to behave like a church of 80 people instead of a church of 35. What would that mean? It would mean that I have to phone different people. It would mean that I have to invite different people for lunch. It would mean that the natural circles in which my friendships have traveled inside the church have to change for this to stay a church. I can't just have one circle of friends. It was a massive shock for them to realize that if I'm doing church Jesus way, eventually I can't do church my way. And we had more trauma when we hit 120 to 140. And then we had more trauma when we hit 200. And then, and this took several years, like 12, 13 years, and we had more struggles, different challenges, every sort of like, more or less every time we doubled. Um, And it took like a whole lot of reinventing. So, you know, when we are 70 people, you didn't need leadership structures. You, you just needed cups of coffee. You didn't, you know, it, it, the planning day was done in a heartbeat. But when you're 400 people, that's a lot of work to get through the planning day. It's actually a two-month journey to get to your budget at the end of the year. And so understanding how to not let your structures pull you down. And if you don't do that, you hit a, a plateau early, and if you keep making those changes, often the people at the beginning say, I don't recognize my church, and they're long gone, but it's okay because you've got 400 people left. No, it's not okay. But that's often what happens. And so eventually, your change fatigue in this model results in some kind of plateau. We're calling it quits. Jesus, I know you want to save the world, but this is what I'm, uh, I'm going to settle for. What are our strategic options? So when we looked at this, we realized in Pinelands, people want to be part of a church family. And the moment you start getting over 400, you stop probably over 250, actually. Um, you stop feeling like you're in a family, and you start feeling like you're in a crowd. And that was probably explain the reason that we kept going up and down, because Whenever we started reaching more people, then we'd behave in missiologically self-defeating ways. We'd just stop phoning the newcomers. We'd just chat to the same people after church. We'd just do it for us and not for others. And, you know, you didn't have to be mean. You didn't have to be ugly. You, you might have asked for, you know, a slightly higher threshold on membership or something like that. And then you make it a little bit difficult. I mean... This was standard practice, I cringe in Baptist church planting circles for decades. You start a church and you don't make baptism a requirement for membership. You build your crowd and then eventually after a couple of years you, you close the ranks and you make baptism a requirement. And those who are in get baptized and then you your church and that's you and you're done. Heck no. We're not closing ranks on the world. One of the other challenges, of course, is finding a venue for this massive crowd. And so often, venue serves as a very efficient governor of size and convenient one as well. Because then you don't have to be mean, you just have to get there first. Um, sorry, that was a joke. Because um, at Explore, that would be really funny. Then <laughs> the worship team all laugh. <laughs> okay. And because it's such a big task, you end up not doing it because it's so expensive. I mean, we couldn't do it across the BBC campus. You, you, you just can't, without flattening the place, build something for like 400 people unless you're going several levels up. And so, yeah, it's, it's prohibitive, and therefore we go, well, it's too expensive. We can't do it. We can't waste God's money. And it's another reason not to do mission. Gosh, we're good at arguing our way out of obedience, You can see I work with this a lot, okay, and the elders are all yawning because they're like, I've heard him say this so many times. (laughs) So what about the option to plant new churches within Pinelands? So understand what we're talking about. People will leave this church to go and join autonomous churches. We are planting new standalone churches next door. This is not the connectedness that we've got. They're going to have their own youth group. They're going to have their own worship leader. They're going to have their own treasure. They're going to have uh, their own sound equipment problems. They are going to have their own picnics and food. Without you, they will determine their own direction, etc. Now, this actually fits the big oak tree model. It's just that you're focusing on the little acorn in the corner. And that was sort of like what we did with those 19 people. We were that little acorn that got blown into you know, a back plot somewhere in Hilton. And there's so many people who try and do that, and, and the initiative does not survive, and a lot of people get hurt. It is a high-risk strategy to say, let's just pick one or two people, and you go off, and good luck sometimes you can take a slice from a congregation and a group will go off together. Uh, And sometimes it can be so significant and this can either happen well or badly. In other words, it can be by agreement or by sharp disagreement. It's virtually like the congregation is cut in half and one lot go and they plant a church somewhere because they can't stand the other lot. And, uh, And then the others stay behind, lick their wounds. But the place is fundamentally changed forever. And so that kind of tension that we live with, hoping it survives. One of the problems with that is that there's this complete duplication of resources and you're in a high-density area. One of the resources this model tends to rely on is land. Guess how much we paid for that plot of land in 1950? Ten thousand Go down a bit. Go down a lot. Go down 100,000%. We paid 10 cents. 10 cents. Okay, it was British cents, so it's 20 cents. <laughs> That's what we paid. You want to go buy another one now? I got a phone call just the other day someone heard that we were meeting in the hall and the estate agent thought that I might be interested in buying a truly useless building. I mean, we would need to spend another 15 million and it's nowhere near as nice as what we've got, et cetera, et cetera. And the asking price is 20 million. So you're looking at a threshold of 40 million just to get going. And then you've got to duplicate all the other resources, whether human or, you know, Gifts, etc., um, ministries, everything like that. You're starting at ground zero. And yes, the thing if you lived in Porfadr and I lived in Uppington, we might need to do that. But when we are 300 meters apart, seriously? Why should we be duplicating like that? We're wasting so much. I'm running out of time and I'm only about halfway. Let's go. So then there's the option of cloning the services. The primary uh, is to just accommodate more people. This is like, we've got a recipe, it's working, we want more people, okay? And and the churches who are doing this, it's to make an established church more accessible. That's that's pretty much it. You've got what you want, and now you're going to roll that, you're going to scale it, okay? Um, Diversity is very marginal, And fortunately, uh, PBC, there's no individual that grabbed anyone's attention for this, and so they scrapped this one very quickly. The other one, of course, and it gets the nice picture, so it's the one we chose, is this picture of a wild almond tree. Now, it's an interesting story behind these trees, because this is one of the trees in the Kirstenbosch Gardens. This was the part of Van Riebeck's hedge that was meant to keep the indigenous people from the faith and from Christianity and from commerce and from the harbor and from anything else it was literally a hedge planted from way up in Kirstenbosch Gardens all the way down around across Devil's Peak and, and it was supposed to safeguard the colony and it was viewed as some kind of impenetrable wall. I'm not sure why that would be impenetrable. It just means you can't. Sorry? (laughs) Oh, that that tree has wasps. Okay. I've I've prayed there often because I need my vision reset, and so vision leaks, and so you go where you get the picture. In any case, The amazing thing about this one is this tree is much older than the oak tree. It's, uh, what, 1650? It wasn't two, but it was probably a few short years after that. What happens with this tree? As it begins to gain height, the tree itself begins to lean, but it's got flex. It's nimble it bends, and where it touches the soil, it roots from a new place. And so it remains connected. It's one DNA, the sap is the same, and any part of the tree can benefit from any point where it touches the sky or where it touches the ground. And even that which appears to die so this is one branch, and this is literally at like a half a meter up the branch. You think it's done, and new life begins again. And of course, both carry the same DNA. So what is this idea? Is that the church bends for the sake of mission. The church tries to touch the ground, and offer its resources in a networked way as much as much as possible. But it is an idea that you can be in congregations where people know you by name. Why? Because we believe that's what people in our community value. They don't want to be a number. There are people who are happy to slip in and be part of a crowd and slip out. And that's often because of pain. And when you're living in that way and you'd rather be anonymous... And you're hoping somehow God will see. Most times, God will see you when one of his cho- children calls you by name. That's when you'll know. And so, we've, we've really wrestled with how do we scale this in an urban area? You know, should we be hiring stadiums and da 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 da? And, the, and, and our honest answer is no. It's going to hurt discipleship. The very thing. Drawing a crowd, that's hard or easy, depending on what you do. But that's often got much more to do with your synergy with culture than with your imitation of Jesus. So if you, if you marry culture with the name of Jesus, you can draw a crowd. But if you take the way of Jesus into the world... You can gather a congregation. And that's our vision or strategy. Very briefly, we've given them. So these missional congregations, they are for us. Of course they are. But they serve those outside the existing church. They listen to people and enter their culture. In other words, you're thinking like a missionary. They make discipleship a priority. They intentionally form community and they receive limited delegation. And this is now describing PBC's structure for mission in four key areas. The first is building community. And this is essentially, and I'm going to go quite quickly here, is that. The task of the different congregations is not to make you feel guilty that you don't know everyone in the evening congregation and everyone elsewhere. That's not the point. It's actually that you have the blessing of the church to do a good job of knowing the people that you are with. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to spend time with anyone else or know them, whatever. But we do want to have a connection where we gather and worship. The second is that we need to work out, and I want to go very quickly, need to find our missional frontline. Where is it that God is giving us go forward? When we started Explore, we saw two key areas in Pinelands that, that, didn't, that, that were under-targeted. And the one was families with children, and the other was a changing demographic of people of color. And if you went through the churches that were established in the Pinelands area, you struggled to find those two things. We said, God, there's our mission on front line. That's what we're going to shape ourselves for. And then teaching. The discipling is specific to the people you're reaching. You know, if, if, if we're not dealing with, you know, overwhelming forms of, you know, Western postmodern rationalism or whatever it is, why are you preaching it? What are the people who are in the room wrestling with? That's what you need to be going after. And then worship should be the synergy, the coming together. So that's why we won't clone a service as a matter of principle. Because who knows what gifts the Holy Spirit is stirring in the room as you gather. Who knows what's breaking through. Now we do want to hold to several things in common. And so we still have a single membership, a single eldership council we're working hard to maintain our objectives, beliefs, principles, ministries, and there's lots of resources that we hold in common. If those things need to unbundle, then we've planted another church. That's, that's, that's the framework we've had up until now. Now, you've, you've heard that the elders have been going away to pray. The elders have been going on retreat. The elders have been doing this we're back at the coalface of wrestling with this 12 years into our first thing. And we're going, God, is this really working? And how does this scale? Will this still work as we go? And, and we've got our own questions, but the one thing is, until we agree with you and the church that we're making a change, this is what we're doing. To, to, to do that without that conversation. Now, it's very unlikely that we're throwing out the whole thing. We're probably looking at some tweaks that will help us, you know, some pruning and some fertilizing rather than uprooting, et etc.